Well, good morning. It's good to be with you, even if it is in an online format this morning. This will probably be the last time that I stand before you in this capacity uh, before our new senior pastor gets here. So I wanted to take this opportunity to say a special thanks to uh, Jordan Timms, to Michael Carpenter, to Daniel Yates, and to Charlie Schaefer. This is your staff and also Stacy Doss. But these four fellas in particular, along with myself, have pretty much taken care of the pulpit supply uh, during this interim period. And I just want to say a special thanks. They have been awesome to work with. And as far as scheduling, they've uh, been flexible. And when we've had to change things at the last minute, they've all been willing uh, to do whatever's needed to do. So I'm grateful for each one of them. One passage of scripture this morning found in the book of Acts chapter 3. I'll begin reading in the first verse. The Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him." And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the ports that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. Well, if you've been a part of any of the services in recent weeks, you know that uh, change is coming. It's a fact. Uh, after last week when Brother Jared was here to preach for us, and this church extended a call to him, and he graciously accepted. Uh, we know that change is coming. And so that's my word for you today. First Baptist Olive Branch, change is coming. The question is, what's he going to do with it? I have reflected as we look back over these last nine months about events that have taking, taken place. You know, it was in October that uh, this church experienced this for the second time in the length of time that I've been here, a pastor, a senior pastor retiring. When Dr. Kerr retired uh, and left at the middle of October, it, uh, we, we were proud for him, but obviously we missed him. And there were a lot of things that had to be taken care of and responsibilities that had to be assigned out. And so together as a staff and together as a church, we made it through those days, especially early on, as best we could. We got into the holiday season, and 
probably one of the more difficult things that I had to go through, uh, as well as so many of you, was when I got that phone call on a Friday afternoon from Betty Scott saying that Dr. P.J. Scott had passed away and was in glory. I served with him for 11 years here, and we became good friends, and it was a difficult pill to swallow for me. Time went on, and several of our members, faithful, faithful members of this church, passed away during all that time. And I thought, well, we're going to get through this together, and we'll get to the first of the year. But I found out as we entered into the first of the year that a good friend of mine, Brother Andrew Smith, had received a call to go to a church up in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And so he resigned, and uh, we gave him a wonderful send-off, and uh, we are so proud for him, although we miss he, him and his family as well. And then we thought, well, we're going to muddle through this and keep going on. And as many of you will remember, early on in the month of January, uh, it was a Saturday morning when everything kind of went black, and uh, the weather turned really bad. I remember Vicky and I got up, and we were going to um, get, a, get a pot of coffee going. And I remember standing in the uh, hallway of my home when I heard a, a shrill whistle coming from the outside door and also coming from the front door. I'd never heard anything like that before. And I looked at her, and I said, I believe we better get in the pantry and so we did that, and obviously, as so many of you know, several tornadoes came through and a lot of uh, destruction took place in January. But I thought, we're going to get through all this. And we did until we got to the latter part of February when we got a phone call from, uh, Vic, from, from Mobile saying that Vicky's dad was not doing well and we might better come. And so we did. We got there late Wednesday night, and it was Thursday morning uh, when... Al Pipkins passed away, and uh, we had to go through that process as, long, as well as my mom having some surgery during that time. Uh, I left her there. We made the trip back here, got things set, and went down there for the funeral. Got back from that, and I thought, well, we're going to get through this, and everything's going to be good. And about the time we got through this, we started in March hearing this word about a pandemic. And uh, I remember I was weeding the flower bed in the front of the house when I got a phone call on that Saturday. And to make a long story short, as so many of you know, uh, we canceled services on a Saturday for that Sunday. And that was March the 15th on the Sunday. And uh, obviously, uh, we were down for about two and a half months, and we came to you in this capacity. But I remember thinking, we're going to get through this, and it's going to be all right. And then Easter came. And so many, so many of y'all will remember on Easter Sunday, we had another round of tornadoes that came through and damaged once again. And I remember thinking at the end of that, we're going to get through this and it's going to be okay. And then most recently, we have now had riots that shake the foundations of what we know as America throughout this country. Several things happen, and if you live for just a little while, you're going to see that change is coming. Some of you may not know this, but I'm just a little bit of a pack rat. And uh, I was looking through some files to see what I would preach with, to y'all on this Sunday. And God laid uh, my eyes upon this little piece of paper right here. It's a bulletin from January the 24th, 1999. I was sitting on this stage when Dr. P.J. Scott preached this message to us at that time 
we were fresh into a new year, of course, being January the 24th. At that time, we were beginning to face all of the questions and, and wonderments about what Y2K was going to be when the year 2000 hit and how that uh, power could possibly be gone and computers would go haywire and what will we do, what will we do? Not only that, but we were a couple of years away from Dr. Scott's retirement because he retired in 2005. But let me tell you something, First Baptist Church at that time was ripe for a change. At that time, we were doing two worship services in this building. We were busting at the seams, and we were fighting something that I guess we're still fighting now, something that we call the worship wars, and about everyone's preferences to music. And so at this particular time in the history of First Baptist Church, why in the world did Dr. Scott choose to preach on this topic, change is coming? Well, as we shared in this passage of Scripture already this morning, it is the story of a lame man and how he was healed. And so what I want to do with you this morning is I'm going to use Dr. Scott's outline because it's a good one. I put some different meat on the bones, but uh, you'll recognize it if you're around. You'll recognize the outline. So the first thing we look at this morning is the tragedy of his life, talking about this lame man, the tragedy of his life. Let's get the setting down pat. Now, here we are. Peter and John are on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer and it says in the Bible here that the hour of prayer is about the ninth hour let's get two things straight right off the bat if you want to have me come for a meal there's just two things that you need to make sure of that I know one is the time and two is the place and if you get the time and the place down pat Bill is going to be there well same thing happened in this particular situation. Two things are necessary in the Jewish world in order for prayer to take place. And that, just like meals, is a time and a place. Obviously, the place in this verse is the temple. And the time is the ninth hour. And that ninth hour is probably about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, in Jewish customs, there are two other times set aside for prayer. Those times are about 9 o'clock in the morning and then also at noon. Those three were regular hours of prayer. Now, if you study the Word of God, you'll remember that thing when it talks about the ninth hour. That sounds vaguely familiar, doesn't it? The ninth hour, according to the scriptures and the Gospels, is about the hour that Jesus died. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I remember where I was when, oh, blah, 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 whatever it was, took place. For years, I heard people say, I remember where I was when Elvis died. And, of course, I remember where I was, too. I remember where I was when President Kennedy was assassinated. And that was, you know, right at the early in my life, and then I remember where I was when Martin Luther King was shot. Of course, y'all know I'm from Alabama. In Alabama, we would say it like this. I remember where I was when Governor Wallace was shot. Well, I have a keen memory in my mind this morning. I was on vacation 
I had just come off vacation, and the first thing I was going to do was, even before I went to the office, was I was going to make a hospital visit. So I got in my truck, and I drove to St. Francis Hospital over on Park Avenue. And I walked in the front door of that hospital, and I made my way up to the room. Now, I can't remember who I was visiting, but I know I went there. And um, I walk in the door, and I noticed here's the individual, but then the TV's going. And there were some strange pictures going on that TV. There was a picture of a, a building, and they kept looping it. And on that picture of the building, you see an airplane fly into it and then fly right into the building. Did I mention that this was September the 11th of 2001? I made the visit there. I kept watching that, that thing that crawled along the bottom of the screen. And I saw, just got a little bit of what was going on. I had no idea. So I had prayer with the individual. I walked out of the hospital room, and as soon as I walked out of the hospital room, my phone rang. And it was one of the secretaries here at the church. I had not gotten here yet. And she was just making sure that I was all right. Let me just tell you this way. Things were wild. I remember making my way back from St. Francis Hospital to First Baptist Church, and I saw several gas stations where they were outside changing the price on each one of the, 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 the signs. They were jacking prices up. There were people everywhere, people cutting feathers off in traffic. The gas stations were full. The, the, the grocery stores, people were there. Uh, the, they were just packed out with people getting stuff. I remember that I finally made my way back to the church. We didn't have to announce that we were having service that night. People just came. And I remember sitting in this room. And as we knelt together and prayed for our country, yes, we were in turmoil. But there was something special about being here praying for our country. When in crisis, there is something special about being in church that helps I believe with all my heart, Peter and John in this passage of Scripture came to the temple because it hadn't been all that long since Jesus died on the cross. And so they come at that same hour that he was killed, hopefully to get some comfort and to get some encouragement. And as they make their way to the temple, they find this man. So that's kind of the setting. But let's look also at the sickness in verse 2. This lame man was looking for some change in his life. Now, according to Scripture, he had been lame from his birth. Obviously, some type of paralytic disease. No strength in his legs, no strength in his feet. Have you ever been in that type of predicament before? Maybe you broke your leg or something and you're used to walking around on your own and suddenly you have no use whatsoever over one of the limbs that you're used to using. Or maybe it was a broken arm or something else where you suddenly don't have use of something. Years ago, most of you know that I cut one of my fingers off. And I remember that when they reattached it, and as I finally got out of the hospital, I couldn't do anything with this entire arm. And I'm right-handed, so it took a long time to learn how to do things left-handed. And it felt very strange to not use that arm that I was used to. He no doubt, this uh, lame man no doubt had friends who brought him and laid him at the temple every day. Well, why would they do that? I think it has something to do with the occupation that he had. What was it, Brother Bill? Pretty much, just, just put it at the bottom line, he was a beggar. He was a beggar. 
Now, let me ask you a question. If you were going to go fishing someplace and you'd get zero nibbles and you go day after day after day and you never get a nibble, do you think you'd go there much after that? Chances are you probably wouldn't. Now, this was a temple. Good people came to this place, and they had a heart of charity, and no doubt when they would come by and see this man laying there, they would give him money because they were generous and they had compassion over him. So that's the type of sickness he had. But also, look at the sadness here. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be put on display there in front of that temple every day? This was a lame man. He was poor. He was destitute. He had to have help with just about everything he did. Normally, something that is put on display, it's the best we have. So many department stores, they don't put their broken down, tore up, scraggly stuff in their windows. No, they put the best they have in the windows. Hopefully, people will see it and know that that's something they want. There's even a passage over in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, that suggests that one day God will place us on display as an example of his grace. Obviously, because I've experienced that grace, that would be a very positive thing. But in this case with this lame man, the display wasn't positive at all. In his mind, the best thing that could possibly happen would be for someone to walk by and give him some money. Now, if you'll allow me to say it this way, that lame man had the bar set pretty low. If that's all he was going for, somebody to give him something, that's pretty low. So that's basically the tragedy of his life. Secondly, let's look at the triumph of his lift. It's found in verses 4 through 8. The first thing we notice in verse 4 is that that lame man, when Peter and John came, they, he looked. There was something about these men that made him think that maybe they could be of help to him. Could it be the crowd that they had been associated with? Could it be a certain aura that they had? I don't know about you, but I know as I go around different places, I get it all the time. They'll look at me and they'll say, hey, you a preacher? Sometimes I don't know if I ought to take that good or not, but uh, it's okay. Brother Daniel and I went one time to make a visit of a family member of one of our church members. And we went over to our nursing home on the other side of Memphis. And as we walked in and made that visit, we went into where the lady was and we started talking to her. But there was another nurse that was inside that room. And she looked up when we walked in before we could even say anything. And she looked right at us and she said, Y'all are men of God, aren't you? And we just kind of looked at her. I thought, well, I hadn't heard it put quite like that before, but yes, ma'am, I, I guess we are. We are. And so she let us make our visit, and the lady was appreciative of the visit. And every now and then when I'd say something, I'd hear from the other side of the room, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, amen, amen. Well, we kept on listening to that go on, and finally I said, well, we're going to have to get on now. Why don't we pray? And so we... Uh, we knelt our, uh, we, we didn't kneel, but we bowed our heads there at the bedside of that lady, and we started praying. And I mean, I could have I preached for an hour because that lady was amen in everything that we prayed. 
And I thought that we were almost done with it. And I said, and we asked this in the matchless name of Jesus. And before I could say amen, she said, now, Lord Jesus, we come to you. And I mean, she went to town and prayed. She prayed over the lady. She prayed over Brother Daniel. She prayed over me. She prayed over the people that we were going to come in contact with. I mean, she prayed. What a blessing it was. Well, this lame man looked at Peter and John. Peter and John had a reputation of being generous with people. They weren't too far removed from that time that a blind man was healed by Jesus. And I don't know why this lame man asked merely for money because he realized certainly that Peter and John had been associated with Jesus and they might have access to something else, but Regardless of how or why, that's what he was asking for. And let me just tell you something. He didn't get what he's asking for, but oh, he got so much more. Well, that's the look, but not only that, but he listened in verse 5 and 6. I don't know about you, but so often, if I come upon somebody that's begging at a, or, or taking up money at a red light or something like that, I'm going to do my best to go the other way. Sometimes I'll be riding down the road with my windows down and I'll be singing up a storm and I'll look up ahead of me and I'll see people with buckets at a light. And I'm ashamed to say it, but usually what happens is I'll hit that thing and I'll roll the window up so that I can just keep on going. Or maybe, and it happens all the time just like it does with you, that I might get a phone call on my cell phone and I won't recognize that number. And if I don't recognize that number, I'm not going to answer it because I usually it's somebody wanting money, and I don't want to fool with that. So I just let it go, and uh, if they need me, they can leave a message and I'll call back. Or maybe it is that I can't get out of it and I'm rolling up to the red light, I just look the other way. I just, anything I can do to keep from making eye contact. But that's not what happened in this passage of Scripture. According to verse 5 and 6, Peter looked right at that lame man, and so did John. And together they said, look on us. And you know what I noticed? They didn't have to tell the fellow twice. I mean one time, and his attention went right to him. He looked. I have always loved the chorus to one of these old gospel hymns. It goes like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Always love that hymn. Isn't it amazing what all happens when you keep your eyes on Jesus? I mean, think about Simon Peter when he was out in the boat that night and Jesus came walking on the water up to them. And so he, uh, Simon Peter says, Lord, can I come to you? And Jesus said, come on. And so Simon Peter put his feet over the edge of the boat and he put his eyes on Jesus and he started walking on the water. And the Bible says as long as he had his eyes on Jesus, he was walking on the water, but something caught his attention and he strayed his look somewhere else. And as soon as he started looking somewhere else, he sunk. 
That's what happens when you get your eyes off Jesus. Whether you're on the water or wherever it is, you're not going to be successful. Sometimes when I'm cutting grass or maybe sometimes if I'm over in our gym and doing some dust mopping uh, on the floor, when I get ready to make the, the pass all the way down the floor, it helps me if I look at something on the other end of the floor and that's where I'm heading to. Because if I don't, it's easy to get sidetracked. Or if I'm cutting grass, if I, if I keep it right on where that grass is high, it helps me keep in line. Well, what do you think he saw? Like, what do you think that lame, lame man saw in Peter and John? Well, maybe I should ask the question this way. Who do you think he saw in Peter and in John? And of course, you and I both know the answer to that. It was Jesus. And so... Peter and John looked at him and they said, Silver and gold have I none, but that which I have give I to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I'm sure that this beggar recognized the name of Jesus. Suddenly, he began to think, hey, these fellas really are those people that walked around with Jesus. And if these men used the name of that one who performed all the miracles, could it be that maybe, maybe something in my life like is going to happen like that as well? I tell you what, it makes a difference who you associate with. The third thing we notice in this passage is not only that he looked, and not only that he listened, but he leaped in verse 7 and 8. Once again, isn't it a good way to testify of this, that God always gives us more than we ask. If he had gotten money that day, that lame man, if he had gotten money, he might have eaten that day, but that's it. I remember that old saying, feed a man a fish, and he eats that day. But teach a man to fish, and he eats for a lifetime. You ever dream too small? I will confess to you that there's been too many times in my life when I hadn't dreamed at all. Sometimes it's just easier in my life to do things that I've always done because I've always done them and not to do it because God led me to do it. It's easy to be in a rut like that sometimes. I don't know about you, but I don't want to do the same things that I've done in days past just because I did them in days past. I want to do them because God's leading me. So often I think that we tend to limit what God wants to do, and I just want to tell you, you know it, but I'll remind you of it this morning. God will not be contained inside of a box. When was the last time that you took a good leap because of something that God had abundantly blessed in your life? It wouldn't take you long to think of something that God has abundantly blessed you with. I think of all the things that God has blessed me with. And because of those blessings, what have I done with it? What have I done because of it? I believe with all my heart that God has brought each of us individually and collectively as First Baptist Church of Olive Branch to where we are today. Now the things that I mentioned to you at the beginning of this message, I will just tell you the truth. Every one of them were earth shattering to me when they happened. But may I raise my hands today and testify that God has brought us safely through each and every one of them and the future for First Baptist Olive Branch has never been as bright as it is today. I'm reminded of that old story about the fellow who uh, 
they were coming by and they started talking to him about the Lord and he started testifying about all that God had been doing in his life and he got so excited, he finally looked at one of them and said, oh my goodness, somebody hold my mule while I shout. And he was so excited about that, what God had done in his life. That's the way we ought to be. Be excited about all that God has in store for you. Finally, what about the testimony of his love? We've seen the tragedy of his life, the triumph of his lift. And finally, let's look at the testimony of his love in verse 9 through 11. First off, what about their acknowledgement? Can you imagine the people that day who were in the temple and they look up there and they see some commotion that's going on and they see that somebody's jumping up and down praising God. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm sure that maybe somebody looked at him and said, no, really, someone up there has broken out into the spirit. We should be a little bit more dignified in the temple of God. And about that time, he came down and did a little pirouette. And when he did, he turned around and they recognized his face. And the Bible says that they knew that it was that lame man that they had passed on the way in. And it says in the scripture that the people saw him and knew that it was him. But not only did they recognize that it was him, but that meant that this person who they saw in front of them should not be walking and leaping. That was the fellow that was on the mat. He should be sprawled out on a cot somewhere. And since he was leaping and since he was praising God, there could only be one explanation. And I guess that's how they got that little chorus that we sang when we were children. Glory, glory, glory. Somebody touched me. And I want to say it this way. I don't have to hope that it was the hand of the Lord. I don't have to fret that it might be the hand of the Lord. Or I don't have to worry that it was the hand of the Lord. But glory, 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 somebody touched me. I know it was the hand of the Lord. That was their acknowledgement. Secondly, let's look at their astonishment. Everyone who was accustomed to being there at the temple knew who this was because they were regular attenders. And he was a regular person that stayed at the gate. They saw him each and every day, and I'm sure that most of them knew his story. I believe that that was why God chose to extend mercy to him. Follow me here. I believe that's why God chose to extend mercy to you. Not just for you, but for those you know. Let me explain that a little bit. God extended grace to me when he extended grace to a fellow by the name of Charles Shipman. He was an evangelist that was preaching the night I got saved. And when he got saved, it was so that he could be there and preach so that Bill could get saved. God extended grace to you when he extended grace to whoever it was that led you to Jesus Christ. Now follow me. God extends grace to you so that he can extend grace to who? Who is it that looks up to you? Oh, Brother Bill, nobody looks up to me. Oh, yes, they do. Somebody looks up to you. Somebody, God wants to reach that someone, whoever it may be, and he wants to use you, the question is, are you willing? The Bible says that they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. 
Y'all ever seen something that had to be absolutely, unequivocally, without a shadow of a doubt, had to be the hand of God? I was looking at my daily bread this morning, and I thought I would share this part with you because, oh my word, this was the hand of God. This morning's passage, it says, The man seemed beyond redemption. His crimes included eight shootings, and he killed six out of those eight, starting nearly 1,500 fires that terrorized New York City in the 1970s. He left letters at his crime scene taunting the police, and he was eventually apprehended and given consecutive sentences of 25 years to life for each of the murders. I love this part, though. Yet God reached down to this man. Today, he is a believer in Christ who spends time daily in the scriptures, has expressed deep regret to his victim's family, and continues to pray for them. Although in prison for more than four decades, this man who seemed beyond redemption finds hope in God and he claims, my freedom is found in one word, Jesus. Amen. God did a work there. Finally this morning, in verse 11, let's look at their assembly. And if you don't get anything else we've said this morning, I want you to get this part. It says in verse 11 that the people ran together. That's it. The people ran together. First Baptist Church, you know I love you. But I think we need a word from God this morning. It is time that we come together. We have run from each other. We have been set in our ways. We have been set in our preferences, our ideals, our likes, and our types. And yet today, on June the 28th, 2020, we stand at the beginning of a new day. We have a new pastor who is on the way. I didn't tell anybody this, but God told me last Friday night after I met him, he impressed on my heart on the way home. You can ask Vicki. I looked to her and said, baby, God told me that if we don't call this man, we've missed him. We've missed the hand of God. So you are to be commended today, First Baptist Church. We called him, but we didn't just call him. We called him unanimously. I was thrilled yesterday. I was looking at my email, and I had an email from a gentleman who is a member of the church that Brother Jared's at. And all he could say was how awesome this man is and what a great walk of the Lord he has and what a great pastor we are getting. Brother Jared, when he gets here, will do things the way that he knows how to do them. What will we do with this new day? He's going to bring new ways. Possibly a new vision, new ideas, new input, new eyes. Let me encourage you, don't compare him to pastors from days gone by. Because he's not them. He looks a whole lot like Jared Brooks to me. Let's follow him. Will we sit on a sideline and wish for yesterday? Or will we obediently follow? Two weeks ago... I, along with the pastor search committee, was calling all of the senior adults to tell them about how we were going to handle the vote. And I called one lady in particular, and she said she was thrilled when she heard that we were going to be looking at a new senior pastor. And she said, oh, Brother Bill, after we call him, we have to follow him. And I said, amen. We have to follow him. So let me give you a couple things as we close out. When he gets here, 
do us all a favor. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Don't forget to pray for him. In case y'all haven't heard, when he left here Tuesday going home, he still had a home that had to be sold. On the way, he got a call from his realtor saying that they now have a contract on that house. It's almost like God putting a cherry on top of the Sunday. <laughs> Great things are in store. I would encourage you not only to give him the benefit of the doubt and to pray for him, but I would encourage you every now and then send him a card every now and then. It, it, it makes my day when y'all send them to me, and I know it would mean a lot to him. I jokingly said at a funeral that I participated in yesterday that I've worked with young people and I'm working with senior adults now and the biggest difference I can think of is that I never remember a young person buying my lunch <laughs> but senior adults oh they fight over it they want to buy my lunch every now and then you get the opportunity buy lunch for our new pastor support him with your attendance and if he asks you to do something do it and let me encourage you, when you're outside the doors and the walls of First Baptist Church and you're in the Olive Branch community, tell others about what First Baptist Church is doing for the glory of God. And don't forget when you're telling them that, to tell them about Jesus as well. If you're in some circumstance and they're talking down our new pastor, don't be a part of it. Don't be a part of it. And let me ask you this. If you have a difference of opinion with him, invite him or ask him if you could speak with him privately. No one likes to be uh, called down in public. If anyone respects the office, office of pastor, I do. But we must remember, though, that just like office of administrator and office of minister of music, office of any of the staff we have at this church, those offices, as wonderful as they are, are usually filled by imperfect humans. We all make mistakes. So if there's something that you see that we need to talk to him about, do it in private. Where do I get from this verse? I get that we need to come together. I loved, I've always loved that illustration that I've heard preachers use through the years about if you, uh, you take two cats and you tie their tails together, then you throw them over a clothesline. And it, if you do that, you have union, but you don't have unity. At First Baptist Church of Olive Branch, we need to be united. That great man of God, Dr. Vance Havner, said one time, we are busy these days with union and unification, trying to get the saints together, but what we need is unity, and that we find only in heart fellowship with Jesus Christ. Well, that's what God told me to tell you all today. Maybe you're listening online, and as we have gone through the passages of Scripture, you realize that you never have invited Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to save you from your sin. If that's the case, I would highly encourage you today to make that decision for Christ. Or maybe you're online today and you realize that you're Christian, but you strayed away from Jesus, and you need to get back in right relationship with him. If that's the case, I encourage you to do that today. Or maybe you're listening online today and you're excited at the prospects of a new pastor coming to our church and you want to be a part of what's going on at First Baptist Olive Branch. I would encourage you to make that decision today. There's a button online that says live prayer. If you just click that and go to it, there'll be some folks that can help walk you through the decisions that you need to make. I'm going to pray. 
And after that, we're going to have a song of commitment. And if you need to make a decision while this song plays, I would encourage you, I would beg of you to make that decision for Christ. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this day and the privilege of uh, searching your word once again and so many things that we find. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help our church in these days to be united and to do what we do because of our deep love for Jesus Christ. Thank you for this church and thank you for what you have us poised to do in these upcoming days. Help us to be faithful in all things. We lift this prayer in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.